Hello and welcome to the Hopecast with Rachel Flick. Rachel is a speaker, inspirational author, and an overcomer. As Rachel is walking through her own journey of grief, she's challenging others to persevere and overcome their own circumstances. Find out more at rachelflick.com. Here now is your host, Rachel Flick. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Hopecast with Rachel Flick. I am really excited to see some of you getting started on your vision boards and telling me what your words of the year were on social media. And I hope that you will continue to do that and make a plan to get together with friends and mentors so that you can make your own vision board for the coming year. Definitely take a picture and tag me in it. And I would love to share that with other people on my story at Rachel Flick on Instagram and Facebook and all the other fun places. And just for kicks and giggles, guys, I started a TikTok. I know that I'm a little old for this. I feel very um, Gen X millennial-ish being on there, but um, I'm having a lot of fun. So come and check it out over there too. So today I'm going to try a little bit of a different framework for this episode of the Hopecast. And joining me is my producer, Mike Segovia. Mike and I are going to talk back and forth a little bit about some of the questions I've been receiving, and he's going to help me answer some questions. And so also, I've been working on a hashtag that I'd love to build up um, called hashtag Dear Rach, D-E-A-R-R-A-C-H. And if you would like to have your questions answered in a future episode, hit that hashtag and I will go find it and connect with you um, for the future. So hi, Mike. Welcome. Thank you for helping me do this today. Absolutely. So glad to be here. You know what I was thinking about, Rachel? What? We are like halfway into January of 2021. Isn't that ridiculous? I can't. I can't even. Where did like Christmas (laughs) go? Well, (laughs) there's still some of it sitting around on my dining room table, so I feel close to it right now, and I'm still tired, but it did did pass. This is insane. I mean, I looked at the calendar this morning and said, what in the actual heck? I know. I can't believe this. I know. I have a couple flights um, on my calendar already, which yeah. always yes. makes time feel like it's going faster. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. that's so good that we can look forward to those things. Absolutely. And this is going to be a great episode because as we head into 2021 and all the craziness that's going on, I know you guys have watched the news. Mm. Try not to do so much of that. It'll get you down. There's a lot of people with questions about various things that are going on in their lives. And so I'm excited about looking at some of those today, Rachel, and uh, answering them. So um, as you and I were talking um, and discussing some of these questions, um, I saw one here, if you don't mind me kicking it off, Rachel, with yeah, a question jump in. for you. What is it? Um, this is actually Jana um, asked this question, and she says the following. Serious question. For those of you who have kids that are doing school online, do your kids consist of screaming and crying? <laughs> I'm wondering oh, if it's man. just my kids or most kids. I'm over it. Oh, Jana. Oh, my gosh. I feel this to the core of my soul. I have always said of myself that I am just not equipped or gifted as a homeschool mom. And 
I really struggled um, spring of 2020 as we shifted into e-learning and being home all together. And I realized that for many people across the nation, they are still on some level of quarantine and working Mm. from home. So it's not regular homeschooling. This is not what people sign up for when they say, I want to be a homeschooling family. We want to be in the outdoors. We want to travel and do field trips. And that's the way we're going to train our children. And this is, this is, we're living in some kind of weird social experiment and having it called real life for us. So I just want to normalize what you're feeling that this is a little crazy. This is a lot crazy to ask you to work, to ask your spouse to work, to ask all of you to do it, to not interrupt one another's Zoom calls, to be in a home without the same access to outdoor activities and things that we would go and do that are fun and keep your sanity and um, not turn to illicit substances to survive this. So I totally get the screaming and crying. There were a lot of days this past spring where I just said, you know what, we tried and um, our best today isn't really cutting it, but I don't have anything else to give. And so I do have a couple of ideas for things that can bring a little bit more balance into your household. I'm going to encourage you that even though you are living in your sweats, you are e-learning and working from home, that you still maintain a schedule with your family. This Mm -hmm. is going to make everybody feel more stable, just like you'll see on Pinterest schedules for summer days and you do some chores in the morning and you read a book for a certain amount of time and then you do a little bit of schoolwork and then you know there's a little bit of playtime and freedom and then you come back and do some schoolwork and have lunch it doesn't really matter how you set up your day as long as you have some consistency for you and your family kids thrive on structure and consistency So if you can create this, even though your external world isn't providing it for you like it usually does, that's going to really help the emotions and the mood in your home. I'm also going to encourage you guys to get outside and get sunshine and move your body anytime you can. Um, Kids need to move. They are not created to sit in front of computer screens and Zoom e-learn for hours at a time. I've heard some amazing stories of people whose kindergartners are expected to sit in front of a computer for four hours and children as young as seven who are expected to do seven hours of e-learning to fill a full school day in front of a computer. This is not developmentally appropriate. It's not healthy. Um, When we spend time with blue light and we are in front of screens, um, it actually creates negative hormonal release. And you're going to notice this in your kids that the more time they have technology and television, the worse their mood is going to get. So the recipe for that is exercise and sunshine. And anytime that you can make that happen, make that happen. And then the third thing I'm going to encourage you to do is lower your expectations. Your home is not going to be a level of clean that makes you feel comfortable unless you're sacrificing your sanity and your night of sleep. This is really hard on marriages. Uh, You're going to need to expect that you're not going to get along probably as well as you usually will when you're both working from home and e-learning your children and in a world in the state of pandemic and just allowing yourself grace. You're going to lose your temper. You're going to feel frustrated. um, You're going to need more veg time for your brain than you usually would. And all of those things are okay. And at the end of the day, if you feel like you are not okay, 
reach out via telehealth, find a therapist, get somebody that you're talking to, get support, phone a friend, um, call in some extra resources, even if they are digital still at this point. I like that, Rachel, especially the part thinking about scheduling, even for people such as yourself and myself, um, it's different. Like we're working from home mm-hmm. now and it's really important to have that schedule, mm-hmm. like a get up, uh, maybe I'll work out first and then um, get my computer going, answer some emails and just have myself a schedule because this has gotten away from us. And yeah, so really I, I really like that, that yeah. whole schedule thing. And I have some friends with older kids, some teens, mm-hmm. and their teens are struggling even with the yes. schedule because they're not seeing their friends, Rachel. They're teens kind are of struggling. down, their grades are down. But I've heard a few of those friends tell me that that's okay. They're trying, they're doing mm-hmm. the best they can. Don't put so much pressure on them. So, mm-hmm. so I think that's really good. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's going to have to be a level of grace where we sort of clean up from the consequences of e-learning and the pandemic and being quarantined at home for so long. But right now we just need to get through it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Those are some great points. And then you were mentioning uh, the Pinterest and summer deal and the schedule. Mm -hmm. So I thought this was a good question I'd bring up now. Okay. Um, This is Casey and she's talking about vacations. Oh, I can't wait for vacation. Vacation. Um, But she says this, and it's a great question. Uh, Has anyone taken a vacation with just you and the kiddos? I really want to this year. Not so much for myself, but for them. My son really wants to see the Kennedy Space Museum in Florida, which is about an eight-hour drive. I'm so nervous. Our last vacation was all together as a family in the summer of 2018. It was the best trip we ever took. Part of me is sad to think it's without their father, and the other part of me wants to try to start a new tradition. My kids are nine and two years old. Rachel, what are your thoughts on this new vacation tradition? Oh my gosh, I have so much compassion um, and empathy for this question because this was so intimidating for me when Micah died. Mm. I couldn't even imagine Mm. taking my kids without another adult um, and being responsible for all of the admin, the practical stuff, the travel, um, making sure that the logistics were cared for, especially with widow brain. Mm. I believe that this um, woman who asked is coming from the point of a widow who's lost her husband and is now trying to figure out what a new groove in life looks like after his loss. And so I did multiple trips after Micah passed away with another adult, whether that was a friend Mm. or a family member. And I really needed that for at least the first two years um, with widow brain and my forgetfulness and um, just my tendency to drop important details. I, I almost needed them to look after me as much as help me with my kids. And so um, that was absolutely part of the healing process and the transition was to ask for help. And so I didn't hear her say um, I guess she said her last trip was in 2018. Is that correct? So Mm -hmm. she's getting close to the two, two and a half year mark as well. So the first trip that the kids and I went on, um, just the three of us, was to Disney World in November before everything shut down to COVID. And I'm so grateful for the timing on that. But I will just admit that I was really intimidated by that. Um, Some of the things that I did that I think went well 
where I bought a package where our food was included. And so I did Mm. not have to go grocery shopping. I didn't have to cook after a day together. I didn't have to care for those kind of details. Um, We went to Disney World, which is an (laughs) all-inclusive, very um, full sensory experience. Sounds Um, so fun. (laughs) It was for the twins' ninth birthday. You have a two-year-old. I have seen a lot of babies sleeping in strollers at... Um, theme parks, but uh, you'll have to determine what's reasonable for a two and a nine-year-old. That's a pretty big age span for what's going to interest both of them. But in the reality that that was the plan that before Micah died, we were all going to go to Disney World as a family. That's Mm -hmm. what we were going to do in the summer of 2018. And so there was a reckoning there of this trip Mm -hmm. should have had Micah with us. Mm -hmm. So I really hear you saying that you're missing your late husband, but you do want to move forward for your kids. And so we had those days, you know, where we said, oh, daddy would have loved the teacups or he would have loved Space Mountain or he would have loved the Tower of Terror and just owning and acknowledging that that was a space that we had wished that he was in with us um, and not trying to feel perfect or force any kind of sadness down or ignore that that's a possibility. But it's really helpful where you go, where they have activities for your children so that you don't have to be the cruise director. Um, You don't have to be entertaining them. You don't have to be giving to them emotionally every minute while you're doing this new grief task. A grief task is something that I call that you have to do that's new to you because of your loss. So many, many things can be a grief task. But the first vacation without your spouse with your children is on some level a grief task, even if it's intended to be fun for everybody. So taking that into account. And then I had rest built into our vacation. I mm-hmm. did not expect myself to be able to go 100% of the time for five straight days and handle everyone. And so for us, that looked like letting the twins play at the pool at the resort mm-hmm. while I laid on a lounger in my swimsuit and read a book. So mm-hmm. now the kids were like, mom, come and swim with us. And I did a little bit, but I also had grace for myself knowing that I really needed that rest. And if I was going to go to another theme park the next day, which was our itinerary, in order to be successful and not be angry, mommy, I needed that time to lay on the lounger. And so just giving myself permission to build in some lower intensity, low key activities in the midst of a vacation that was pretty, had a lot going on and a lot of fun things to do every day. It sounds like it was in a real amazing time. And it sounds like to me, Rachel, and listening to you, that there was some healthy grieving there. Mm, There absolutely was healthy grieving there. Um, And I think that that's to be expected. Um, And just as you begin to rebuild life, you said you wanted this for your kids. And that's what I wanted. And we did Mm -hmm. just as an encouragement, the kids made some beautiful memories. And that the high points in their mind are not that we were missing daddy, but that we got to go to Disney World and we rode these rides and we had Mickey Mouse ice cream. And (laughs) these are the things that they remember, even though in that time, there was a level of sadness in our heart that he wasn't with us. So Mm -hmm. it did do that. And it helped build our new family culture of three. Mm, That's really good, Rachel. It's really good. Thanks, Mike. So I have the next question. I'm going to read this one. This one's got a little bit, um, it's got some detail in it, but I think that that is reality, right? That our lives are not easy and they have some complicated um, factors in them. Okay. So this is for a blended family. This is stepmom and she is asking a question about her boyfriend's bio son. Okay, so her stepson or her boyfriend's bio son is 12 years old. 
She says, he moved with us from another state, New York to Florida. So that's a really big move to live full time in July with us. I put him in a charter school where my daughter attends. He came to us without a lot of practical skills for chores and self-care, hygiene habits, etc. But we had no idea where he stood academically until he started school. He's failing terribly, and we've taken away his Xbox, which is his prized possession, and other forms of punishment. He goes to Saturday tutoring, but he keeps failing big tests and not improving. Because of not getting to play his Xbox, he's talked about wanting to go back and live with his bio mom. He was not getting the same quality of life as they have in their home. Two-income household, getting to play outside, learn to ride a bike at 11, taking taekwondo, annual passes to theme parks, lots of extended family and friend events, and educational opportunities there as he is here. But we don't know what to do anymore. We're afraid to be tougher, and in the end, he eventually would move back permanently because he wants to go back to playing his Xbox 24-7. But we obviously don't want him to fail sixth grade either. Any advice? So um, I will just initially acknowledge the challenge that blended families have in making um, different homes and different lifestyles and different rules work for different children who've been raised in different homes. And so... First of all, I just want to acknowledge what this 12-year-old kiddo has gone through. I don't know um, what the other age of the daughter is, so I don't know if there's realistic expectations for 12-year-old development, but sixth grade is still pretty young as far as it goes to be able to be expected to just pick up in your household. And we have no idea what bio mom, what their household looks like in regards to what she expected of him. So I would say that there needs to be a little bit of better communication in expectations for what that looks like in your home, what kind of chores that you would like for him to do, and maybe even going backwards a little bit and reparenting some of those skills and assuming that he doesn't know um, how you'd like things cleaned or doing his own laundry or um, maybe even some really basic things. This is the age where kids do struggle with hygiene stuff. We have to remind them deodorant, showering, shampoo. I know that as adults, you know, there's that meme that said, I never thought I would see myself in adulthood arguing with a tiny version of myself about how to use the toilet (laughs) and talking about potty training toddlers. But um, it's kind of a little bit bigger version of that meme is that we have to teach kids basic things about their bodies and what they need. And so if you're frustrated with how he's caring for himself, let's go backwards and um, just start as though, you know, what do you know about yourself? Do you know this? Like, how are those conversations happening and getting on the same page with him? You said also that um, taking away his Xbox as his prized possession and other forms of punishment. So I realize that it's so easy to come into the parenting relationship punitively, but I will tell you that every single person on the planet responds better to a positive reward for a positive behavior than a negative consequence for a negative behavior. So if you can flip this and say, I will give you 15 minutes for every chore you can check off of the list, that is going to innately motivate him far more than you're failing your tests so you don't get access to your Xbox. 
I'm not advocating that you do not have boundaries, expectations, and discipline in play in your family. That's healthy and safe. Boundaries and discipline make kids feel safe. I'm not saying that you don't have any consequences for him not doing regular things like chores in the family. Ideally, we want to see him coming up to the level academically where he should be as a 12-year-old. But for whatever reason, there is a gap there, whether he was socially promoted or whether he was not expected to do his homework, or um, there even could be potentially an undiagnosed learning disability. I just really want to expand the possibilities for why Biosun is not passing sixth grade. So let's just take away the assumption off the bat that he is failing as a form of disobedience or rebellion. Um, That could be a form of passive aggression for him, but let's get to that one last. The other things that I want to bring forward about this um, is, you know, you're saying like he would want to go and live back with his bio mom because he is not getting to play Xbox and having the same freedom that he did with her. Even though you're recognizing that in your home, you offer him opportunities, taking classes, um, more attention from parents, annual passes to theme parks, access to extended family and friends. But for your stepson, he is not probably taking those things into consideration. He's thinking, I moved from New York to Florida. I moved from my home with my bio mom to my home with my bio dad, stepmom, and stepsister. So he's in a totally new family system. He's in a totally new school. Um, These are highly stressful events for even the most well-resourced of adults, and he's 12 years old. So let's step back and see what's realistic to expect of him. And I also just want to take away when we're motivated by fear instead of love, we will make the wrong choice every single time or we will do it for the wrong motivation. So even if you want to see your stepson really rise to the occasion, get into an educational groove, learn these skills that you would like to see him have, if you're parenting him motivated by a fear that he will ask to leave and go back with bio mom, that is going to be a drain. That's going to be an energy drain for you. And you're not going to have the strength and grace that you're going to need to really lift him up and get him to the place that you want to see him go. So shift that mindset into love for him. And if you feel like you need more love and more grace, pray and ask for it. That's a regular thing. All parents feel that. We all struggle with our relationships with our kids, even our bio kids, no matter what um, season of life we are in our family. So pray and ask for insight and wisdom into this relationship and take some of those things of just the transition for him, what it looks like to be motivated by um, love and not fear. And also, how can you motivate him positively instead of punitively? Great question, great answer. You are listening to the Hopecast with Rachel Flick, and uh, this is episode 19. And if you've missed any of the previous episodes, you can go to rachelflick.com and you can actually find out uh, what platform she's on. Or if you want, you can listen to the show right on her website. Also, um, if you like Rachel, and I do, you can find out how to book her for your next speaking engagement. All of that can be found at rachelflick.com. Rachel, we're kind of fighting the clock a little bit, so we have time for one more question. One more question. One more, and I know you got something there. I do. So what do you got? Okay, so this question says, I don't know if I should be directing this question to parents or just step-parents. I'm a step-parent. 
Have you ever considered a therapist for sanity? Eeks! Sometimes this channel is therapy, meaning the place where she's asking the question online. Second question to everyone, how does your significant other and children feel about therapy? Are they offended by the suggestion? So I just, I mean, when Micah and I were probably three years married, I really pushed for us to go to therapy. And he felt um, some judgment. He felt um, that he would be conceding that our marriage was really broken or Mm. something was wrong with us. Mm. And um, after I, you know, prayed with him for a long time, please go with me. I think that this has so many um, prophylactic positive opportunities, right? Prophylactic means preventative. And after we had gone and it really built up our relationship and gave us tools that we didn't have, he came up with this example. And I just love it because we were, we met as personal trainers at the gym. So he said, you know, you can go to a personal trainer and you can build up your strength and you can, um, lower your cholesterol and make your heart stronger and increase your ability to lift and protect your back and your core, or you can wait and you can, until you are on death's doorstep and you can go to the ER and pray that the doctor can save you with an open heart surgery. And I love that analogy because it says you can look at a counselor, like a personal trainer who sees, you know, maybe you have like a little lifting technique here that we could correct, or if you could improve your communication, this would really Mm -hmm. improve the goodwill in your marriage. Or you can look at it like we only go to counseling as a last ditch effort to save us and then pray that some expert can come in and undo years of bad habits and patterns that we have ingrained in addition to whatever trauma history or baggage we're bringing in to these relationships. And so I that is why I'm biased to therapy is because I believe that all of us have experienced pain and that all of us can grow. And that's what a great therapist is going to do is they are going to hear your story without judgment and they're going to help you move forward into the healthier blended family, nuclear family, personal relationship with yourself, relationship with God that you are looking for. And so that's why I'm going to say absolutely yes. Um, go get therapy, find someone, connect in that way, and go get that extra support and help. Wow, that is great advice. Rachel, this has been great. I know a lot of people out there are hurting and going through different circumstances and life's weird and we're all at different places in our lives. And that's what we want to do here on the Hopecast is to give you hope. That's why it's called the Hopecast. So we pray for you. We hope that you stay connected with us. Again, check out Rachel Flick at rachelflick.com for more information about her and listen to the show. And by all means, follow her on Instagram and message her and let her know how you're doing. We want to help. Rachel wants to help. That's what we want to do. Absolutely. You guys can connect with me, send me a DM in any of those platforms. You can also email me at contact at rachelflick.com. And if you put the hashtag Dear Rach, I'll be looking for your questions and adding them into future episodes. Thanks everybody for joining me and Mike on this episode of the Hopecast. I'm going to be answering a few more questions next week. So come back for more Q&A here on the Hopecast. You've been listening to the Hopecast with Rachel Flick. To find out more, go to rachelflick.com. While you're there, you can book Rachel for your next speaking engagement. Her inspiring message will be sure to engage and touch the heart of your audience at your next conference, church event, or business function. Go to rachelflick.com to book her today. 
While you're online, you can discover more information about all of the platforms that this podcast is on. Also, be sure to click on the social media icons at the top of the page, and you will be directed to Rachel's social media sites. If you listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, we would appreciate if you would subscribe and leave us a review. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time for another edition of the Hopecast with Rachel Flick.